I haven't, I can't comment on the video um, that I haven't seen. You guys have asked me a question. You asked me, you asked me a question back in May, and you can repeat that question. The question we asked you back in May. Yeah. Uh, can you, you explain the, the video? Didn't you, you 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 asked me a couple of questions, and what were those questions? Do you smoke crack cocaine? Exactly. Yes, I have smoked crack cocaine. When, but sir? No. Do I? Am I an addict? No. When have you? Have I tried it? Um, probably in one of my drunken stupors, probably approximately about a year ago. I answered your question. You asked the question properly. I'll answer it. How many yes, times? I've made mis I've made mistakes. I all I can do now. Is apologize and move on. I don't know what. Oh, oh, guys. Oh, 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 okay. Can I? Can I just? Uh, yeah, all I can say is I've made mistakes. That's and you guys kept referring to alcohol. There was a couple isolated incidents. There's been times when I've been in a drunken stupor. That's why I want to see the tape. I want everyone in the city to see this tape. This is the gravy train. I'm Jordan Heath Rawlings. I want to see the state that I was in. I don't even remember after some of the stuff that you guys see me, the state I've been in. It's a problem. So I, I want to. I want to get. I said. Five days ago, Toronto's chief of police had confirmed that his investigators had in their possession a video that, in the chief's words, appeared to be those images which were previously reported in the press. And then Rob Ford stood in front of a gaggle of media. And he said what you just heard. And then things got even weirder. The last time we talked, I walked you through the police investigation that eventually produced the video of Rob Ford smoking crack that the mayor had denied existed. That investigation was one of the darkest moments in the city's history. Toronto's top politician was living a double life, he was spending his evenings with gang members. He was taking hard drugs. And the police were watching and listening to him as he did it. To those at the heart of the investigation, it was an awful time. To those in the inner circle at City Hall, these were some of the most stressful periods of their entire lives. To the vast majority of just citizens in Toronto, it was a total shit show. Every day something else happened. Every day it got worse. But to everyone else around the world, look, it was just nuts. It was insane, and it was hilarious. All the dark stuff at the heart of this story, that didn't resonate, because to everyone who was not impacted by it, it was a farce. Toronto was known by the world at large, and still is sometimes when you travel, as the place with the crack mare. A punchline. And you can't blame people for that. It was a dark comedy. And everybody was playing it for laughs. I was there the moment he said, yes, I have smoked crack cocaine. That's Cynthia Mulligan, a reporter at City News in Toronto. And she was there when, well, she told you. This marked the end of Act One of the Rob Ford scandal and the beginning of Act Two. Rob showed up to work that day in a black suit and with a memorable tie, which featured the logos of all 32 NFL teams. And he stepped off of an elevator in front of the press. The elevator, the infamous elevator. You know it had its own Twitter account? If you walk through the front doors of Toronto's City Hall, you find yourself in a wide-open, circular space. There are staircases and various hallways going off to all sides. 
but smack ahead of you, in the center of everything, is an elevator column. This is the elevator. It's the one that the mayor took to get to his office. It's one that's supposed to only be used by the mayor and Toronto councillors. And that elevator became a character in this story. And you would watch which floors the elevator was starting on because you knew if it was coming from the ground floor, it probably wasn't him. So you would, you would watch to see if it was coming from the basement, where it was coming from. And so many times we'd spring to attention. Oh, and if security started coming, you kind of figured that's a sign because they know he's coming, so they're there to manage. But sometimes, you know, we'd get a false alarm and the doors would open. Nobody would be there and we're like, ah. Oh. Or other times, some poor, you know, resident would, you know, some old lady would get off and, and she'd see us all and all the cameras are on her and the lights and she'd be horrified. <laughs> it, it became a little bit of a private joke for weary journalists who were looking to amuse themselves at times. There was no glamour in covering Rob Ford. The days were long and hard. Because you're sitting on the ground, if you're lucky to eat, you're eating your, your lunch on the ground as you're sitting by that elevator, just waiting to see what was going to happen. And it was the unpredictability, right? Because you never knew if he got off that elevator, if he was going to drop some bombshell, or if he was just going to walk right on by. You didn't know. They always kept you guessing. I don't know what triggered it that day where he was finally just saying, I, I guess he was just tired of it. When it became clear that, yes, Toronto really did have a crack-smoking mayor, a mayor who had admitted it after months of denial, then all hell broke loose, and every major media outlet in the world came calling. They parked their trucks one by one down the street, and they swarmed into City Hall. City Hall is a very strange and futuristic-looking building. Its previous claim to global fame was as a set piece, as a foreign planet in an episode of Star Trek. And now, its image was leading international cable news. It was like the world had exploded. City Hall was just on edge, absolute edge. And, and people were waiting to see how he was going to respond. It was a never-ending whirlwind of chaos, I would say. And it amped up to circus levels. Over the last few months, the Toronto political scene has been dominated by shocking claims about the city's mayor. Rob Ford admitted he was not perfect, but refused to step down. Rob Ford, who had started to deny the facts, will now come out. Mayor Toronto, Rob Ford. The alcalde of Toronto will not admit it. Rob Ford, former cocaine. Robert Ford, proved. The mayor of Toronto, who has recognized the Toronto Canadian Rob Ford, Even after he admitted to using crack, Rob had really strong support, and he leaned into it. He would pit his supporters against the media. For instance, he would often make a point of chatting with them and taking pictures of them and then brushing past reporters with questions. Just a week after he gave that press conference and admitted that he'd tried it, Rob set up a table in City Hall selling Robbie Bobbies, which were bobbleheads in his likeness. Hundreds of people lined up to get one. Thank you. Thank you. How long did you wait for that? This was about, uh, I think, two, three hours, two and a half hours. Was it worth the wait? Yeah, it was. Like, are, you, are you a Ford fan? Yeah, I am. I, am, I support him fully. 
Rob didn't talk much to the press while all this was going on. And when he did, he did not help his case. One day, for instance, court documents had been released, outlining concerns of a bunch of staffers in his office. Remember Ford's wild night on St. Patrick's Day? There were a few nights like that, and the court records detailed all of this behavior, including some offensive remarks to female colleagues. And after those remarks were reported, Rob brought his wife to a scrum with reporters at City Hall. And he shocked them. careful what you wrote. Okay, so that's all I have to say for now. And the next thing I want to call uh, Mayor Britannia in Hamilton and tell him that uh, we're going to have to spank the little uh, tiger cats. Oh, and the last thing was um, Olivia Gondak. It, it says that I wanted to eat her pussy, Olivia Gondak. I've never said that in my life to her. I would never do that. I'm happily married. I've got more than enough to eat at home. Thank you very much. Anything that was Cynthia Mulligan was always in the middle of those impromptu scrums. And since they were basically the only time that Rob ever talked to the press, every member of the press crammed into them, and it created some dangerous situations. Instead of going out the back door, he decided to try and ram through the media. And it could have been avoided. All he had to do was walk out the back door. But it was so dense that the media had nowhere to go. And the the security was shoving people. And one of the security guards actually shoved my cameraman so hard that he flipped over backwards over a couch. It It needed crowd control. It was so bad. At one point, in an attempt to escape the scrum, Rob walked right into a camera. Excuse me, guys. Man, holy Christ! And so I sort of joined the circus at City Hall. In the middle of all of this, Jennifer Pagliaro went from being a crime reporter for the Toronto Star to its City Hall reporter. And if there was anyone who had the background on the guy she'd be covering, it was the reporter who worked on Project Brazen 2. But even Jennifer wasn't ready for the mess that was waiting at City Hall. I remember, like, the first, one of the first ever events I was assigned at City Hall. Um, There was a award ceremony for community safety, and the mayor was scheduled to give out the awards. And it seemed almost hypocritical to us at the time, like, he's still in the midst of this, you know, the fallout of this criminal uh, investigation, this police investigation. And I went to cover the events and was sort of standing in the back of the room and I had only just met some of my City Hall colleagues and I said, you know, how does this work? Like, does he scrum after, you know, sometimes a politician will, you know, make themselves available and you ask questions. And they all sort of laughed at me and were kind of joking about hoping that I had worn like good running shoes. And I said, what do you mean? And when the event finished, uh, he moved faster than I've seen any politician ever move up a side staircase. And all of my press gallery colleagues went running after him. And so I just went running after him too. And I had my recorder out and we were trying to ask him questions about the investigation, about the election, about everything that had been going on. Jonathan Goldsby, the reporter who had tracked Rob on social media, was now at City Hall, trying literally to keep up with the mayor. 
But what I remember so much about covering Rob Ford was the physical element of it, the actual amount of physical running involved, the amount of jostling and shoving and actually because there were so many fucking people crawl, you know, trying to get into this tight space either in the mayor's office or into the space outside the mayor's office where you're trying to get a clear view of Rob Ford, ideally hear what he says, um, and even better, ask a question. But uh, it was physically intense in a way you don't expect political reporting to be. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this entire time was devastating for the city. Our mayor was a drug user, and he wasn't stopping. City council had devolved into reality television. Every nightly newscast was led by whatever random thing that Rob had said or done or reportedly said or reportedly done that day, or even most days by video of him literally running away from the media and into his office. Ford supporters and Ford haters began to move more fully into their respective camps. City Council in Canada is supposed to be the one level of government without partisanship. But there was no question the council and the city were utterly divided. It was tough. But if you were watching from afar, with no skin in the game, then, yeah, the whole thing was hilarious. Is this dude on crack? (laughs) And his excuse for smoking crack is he was drunk. The mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford, is in spotlight right now because it's rumored that there's a video of him smoking crack. But to be fair, there's not a lot to do in Toronto. Come on, got it. Have I ever smoked crack? Yes, but that was in the past. The mayor was charged with being way too exciting for Canada. Move it, partner! Mayor Ford, you're smoking crack right now. Where are you getting this? Oh, 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 my God. This is the best show. (laughs) And live from New York, it's Saturday night. Life as a late-night punchline wasn't easy for the people in City Hall who didn't smoke crack. And they began to look for ways to get rid of Rob, or at least to distance themselves from him. The most obvious sign of this was on Rob's staff, which had by now lost almost all of its original members. Councillors, meanwhile, began fleeing his executive committee, some by choice and others because they spoke out about Rob's behavior, and he asked them to resign. Council's first public attempt to condemn Rob was figurative. They turned their backs on him during a council session, almost all of them. It made for a good visual, and it made a good point, but it didn't actually do anything. Rob was very much in charge. They needed to figure out a way to get the city, if not back on track, then at least functioning despite its mayor. There are so many things that happen when a certain type of person who is uniquely unqualified for public office manages to get in. And, you know, you, you you start to see just how resilient or not resilient your democratic institutions are. That's Jonathan Goldsby again. What city councilors and the city at large quickly learned was that there wasn't a process in place for the city to remove a mayor. Oh, so city council figured out how much they could do. They figured out they can take away the powers that, are, that were granted to the mayor by their own bylaws. And they did that. They removed as, many, as much of that as they possibly could. And they just sort of parked it with the deputy mayor um, for the time being. Right. But there are things like if Rob Ford wanted to be wanted to chair a city council meeting, there was nothing anyone could do could stop him from doing that. He legally had the right to do that, and 
council couldn't change that. I mean, thankfully, he generally didn't like to do that. But there was, or like legally representing the city in official events. Like there are certain things that are in law that council couldn't change. It's like, oh, I guess we have a crack mayor now until the election. What a shit show. What a shit show. Uh, How can I get out of here? (laughs) This is going to be bad for all of us. That is Councillor Joe Mahefic. And he might not have agreed with Ford politically on anything. But as you might remember, he sat right near him in council and he called him a friend. And he played in a football pool with him every year. But still, he was one of the councillors leading the charge to strip Rob of his powers for the good of the city. So the person who moved the motion was John Fillion, who sat right beside me here. Then two over was where Rob Ford used to sit. So John Fillion um, the, was the one who moved the motion. But the, and the motion was the fruit of a lot of conversation on the second floor. When we, when we realized that, regrettably, that this is something that had to be done. City Council voted overwhelmingly in favor of motions that would reduce Rob's role in council to that of a figurehead. 37 to 5 councillors voted to cut the mayor's budget, and 36 to 6 voted to transfer many of Ford's deputies and much of his budget to Deputy Mayor Norm Kelly, who would, in effect, run the council. And it had to be driven by that we are in trouble, that it was basic competency issue. It could not be seen to be the progressive side of council ganging up on this guy during a a vulnerable moment. And I think, thankfully, because of the people um, who were more right of center saying, yes, the moment had come, that it gave legitimacy to the process. It would be like today, the impeachment movement is purely and singularly in the United States, a Democrat, Democratic Party movement. If half of the Republicans split from Trump and say, yes, this is the right thing to do, that's a very different moment. Um, then it does become one of a uh, basic competency in office. That hasn't happened in the states, but it did happen at uh, at the at city hall, and that's why the motion carried and uh, and went forward. It was another wild day. I mean, of of so many wild days. I remember the wild day when when city council stripped him of his powers and basically declared war. That's Cynthia Mulligan again. She was still on the Ford beat. And on the day that council voted to strip the mayor of his powers, the Ford brothers made it clear that they were not going down without a fight. It's not an exaggeration to say that Rob, who'd already been behaving erratically, simply lost it in the face of united opposition from council, including many councillors that he'd normally count among his friends and allies. Rob's brother, Doug, who'd made himself known as Rob's heavy and his confidant, once again, came to his defense as Rob faced accusations of substance abuse impacting his ability to govern. Doug called out another counselor, Paul Ainsley, who had recently been stopped by the police and given a warning for impaired driving. And what happened next was basically the wildest scene in the history of Toronto City Council. The process of this council, if there's a code of conduct, should be going through the right process. It shouldn't be happening with, 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 I'm getting to my question, thank you. Okay, Councillor Ainsley, you got your own issues. Councillor Ford. I wouldn't be saying too much. 
As Doug was saying what you just heard, Rob was leaning back in his chair, and he was pantomiming, driving drunk. Who do I speak to about the proper code of conduct? Councillor, matters with respect to code of conduct? Stop. Mayor Ford, please stop disrupting the... Belong to one of the accountability officers, probably... And it got worse from there. I will let Cynthia tell the rest of the story. There were hecklers in the audience, and Doug and the security guard and Rob were walking around the chamber. And one of them was taking pictures of the people who were protesting with the camera. And people got really angry because they felt that that was uh, an incendiary move. And Rob, for some reason, ran across the chamber. I think he was running to help Doug. He thought, he thought, because they were on opposite sides, and, and, and it did feel like they were inciting the protesters. And Rob all of a sudden started to run towards Doug and literally took out Pam McConnell. And knocked her flying kind of caught her, but she really uh, was was hit quite hard. And then he kept going. And she said after, I remember, she for weeks that her neck was hurt, that she got whiplash, and it was, it was quite painful. This, folks, reminds me of when, and I was watching it with my brother, when Saddam attacked Kuwait. And President Bush said, I warn you, I warn you, I warn you, do not. Well, folks, if you think American-style politics is nasty, you guys have just attacked Kuwait. And you will never... Okay, You will never see something that you have... Mark my words, friends. This is going to be outright war in the next election. When all the madness stopped, Rob had lost most of his mayoral power, but he did get the final word. And that was the end of another day that felt like 12 at City Hall. You know, every day was like that. We used to kind of joke about it not being a daily event or occurrence. It was hourly. It became hourly at the end. Jay Robinson was one of the councillors that used to serve on Rob's executive committee until she either left or was kicked off after she spoke publicly about Rob needing to go to rehab. Whether she was on the executive or not, though, she was still a prominent figure on council and was in the middle of all of the daily madness. And it was so distracting. I mean, it was so distracting. We simply couldn't get it as much done at City Hall. Many of us actually stepped up to take a leadership role because you know, the the mayor was dealing with substance abuse issues. So many of us stepped up into those roles to help lead the city. Um, But it was so distracting. It was the media were literally running around the second floor, like literally like a pack. And um, it was very difficult to get really address the business of the city with all that distraction. If you were on the outside looking in, it looked like utter chaos. On council. But if you ask Joe Mahavik, who sat on council with Jay, it was also an opportunity 
for some members of the team to shine. To be frank, the last two years on of the Ford mayoralty was some were some of the best days of city council. And it was for this reason, it was because the mayor was MIA. The mayor was uh, struggling with, uh, with his addiction issues and governing issues, but then councillors had to step up to the plate. Without Rob Ford pushing them into his camp or the opposition, councillors from either side of the aisle actually started to work together. So all kinds of folks uptown would move motions with downtown councillors, left side council would would work with right side councillors on motion, we would come to agreements. It was actually uh, some of uh, my best time at city council. Throughout all this, Rob was still vehemently denying that he had any kind of substance abuse problem. Yes, he would admit to buying and using drugs, and to driving drunk, and yes, to using crack once, just that one time, in a drunken stupor. But he didn't have a problem. Have you purchased illegal drugs in the last two years? Yes, I have. Thank you. I sincerely apologize. I understand the embarrassment I caused every member of this council. I understand the embarrassment that I've caused every resident in the city. I'm humiliated by it, but I cannot change the past, Councillor Thompson. All I can do is move on, and that's what I'm doing. When Rob mentions the past that he can't change, in a sense, he's referring to that one time more than a year ago, but he's also referring to just one week earlier when the Toronto Star had released another video. Because I'm going to kill the fucking guy. I'm talking to his first degree murder. But I'll fight him. I'll talk to him. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. No holds barred, mother. He dies or I die, brother. I'm talking to him. Brother, you've never seen me fucking go like that. Yeah, so, brother. But when he's done, I'll rip his fucking throat out. I'll pull his eyes out. I will fuck when he's dead. I'll make sure that motherfucker's dead. I need fucking 10 minutes to make sure he's dead. It'll be over five minutes, brother. So, 10 minutes out. Brother, it'll be a bad. I am a sick motherfucker, dude. But no one's gonna fuck around me. My, my brothers are. Don't tell me we're liars. These birds. Birds. In the video, you just heard. Rob is pacing back and forth. He's sweaty. He's not quite in the picture. He's talking really fast. He's angry, or at least really excited. It's hard to make out in the tape, but Rob starts off by saying, I'm going to kill that fucking guy. I'm telling you, it's first-degree murder. There are a couple of people off camera who can be heard clapping and encouraging him. And he says, but when he's down, I'll rip his fucking throat out. I'll poke his eyes out. I will fuck when he's dead. I will make sure that motherfucker is dead. I need 10 minutes to make sure he's dead. 
Rob's response to this when the tape was made public is that he was a well-known wrestling fan and he had been impersonating Hulk Hogan, which kind of makes sense by the way he was saying brother. He's certainly talking about combat. It might have been that, but there was another video. This video was shot in a restaurant called Steak Queen in Toronto's West End, late at night. Rob is rambling incoherently again. I'm not going to quote what he says because he's attempting to speak Jamaican Patois, and I am not going to do that. Rob admitted that he'd had a little bit to drink. Amidst this frenzy, over video after video, Rob went global. He appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Kimmel had been covering the scandal nightly, so had every other late-night comedy show. But it was Kimmel who scored the interview. And so Rob flew to L.A. to make his appearance on March 3rd, 2014. He sat down on the couch and called himself an average, hard-working politician. He was in his usual ill-fitting black suit, but this time he had decided to wear a bright red tie with a matching bright red pocket square. He looked nervous. He was sweating, but he stuck to the script. And you give your phone number out to people, um, and I imagine you've probably been doing that the whole time. Yes, you gave it to me already. Uh, and is that a good idea? I mean, don't you get a lot of crank calls and not know what's happening? Never. It's, um, I give my number out because um, you're the boss. And uh, when you say jump, I say how high. The taxpayers here um, want service, and I don't believe in going through all the bureaucrats. Call Rob Ford. I guarantee I'll return your call, and I'll go right to your front door to serve but you. I've been doing it for 14 years. Realistically, how high can you jump? <laughs> Trust me. We, uh, now, you'd be surprised how fast I can move. I have to say, people seem very angry that I was having you on the show tonight. People from Toronto, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. This is disgusting. Having our embarrassment of a mayor on your show is a slap to all Torontonians. Really disappointed you're giving this abusive exploiter the time of day, Jimmy. I hope you remember that clown you're about to trot out is a very sick, very bad man. Um, You know about Rob Ford's domestic abuse, drunk driving, racism, homophobia, and inability to tell the truth, too, right? Is there any validity to any of these things? I mean, is that all I got? No, you got a lot of them. They don't, they, they, don't, they don't talk about... You may have they, set a record. They, uh, <laughs> I guess they don't talk about uh, all the money I've saved, um, how we straightened up the city. I, they I read, say you didn't save money. They I, say I, it's something you say, and I have no idea okay. if so you that's, saved I guess, money. So that's, I guess, the city manager. It's not me, it's the city manager. Ford had walked out onto the set, throwing Ford Nation T-shirts to the crowd and posing. And he sat down, and Kimmel laid into him with some vicious one-liners. Are you homophobic? <laughs> no, I'm not homophobic. 
Do you Are think you? if you had more gay friends, you would not wear that tie? <laughs> you are sweating a lot. Let me get you some tissues here. No, we're good. We're good. Do you mind if I dab you, Mr. Yeah. Mayor? <laughs> Last week, you dared the police chief in Toronto to arrest you. Now, this is after you told me you were coming on the show, and I was like, no, don't arrest him now. Um, put the video out. And so, you know what? Look uh, what uh, happened to Kim Kardashian after her video came out. I mean, <laughs> and I hate to do this to you, but last night, you and, and given you were with some of your friends and your brothers and stuff, um, but this is from your dressing room last night. You'll notice the dessert plate has been devoured. The vegetables <laughs> remain untouched. It was embarrassing, to say the least. And when Ford got back to Toronto, there were more of his usual shenanigans. In fact, the pace seemed to increase. Kevin Donovan, the investigative reporter at The Star, was the first to get the scoop on this one. He'll tell us about an evening from March of 2014, two days after Rob was on Jimmy Kimmel. I was contacted by a... And I apologize because I can't... This is a really, really deep source and the the source told me that I needed to talk to person X and and I went to talk to person X and over a period of a couple of weeks uh, I learned that there was an audio recording of this particular night but what happened on that night and it is is close uh, Ford was on Jimmy Kimmel as you said and he had just come back and uh he was driving around in his uh, big black uh, SUV, and he had a bunch of people with him. Those people included Rob's driver and fixer, Sandro Lisi, and a friend of his from high school named Bruno Bellissimo. And Ford likes to drunk dial. And he was uh, driving and presumably, hopefully using hands-free but he was talking to people and, and just calling people and saying all sorts of, of like wild things. And this was all recorded on a, a recording, which I was able to listen to. According to Kevin's reporting, during one of those calls, Rob said, nobody sticks up for people like I do. He then goes on to use words that I won't repeat, referring to Jewish, Black, and Italian people. Then, I'm the most racist guy around. I'm the mayor of Toronto, he famously said. But then afterwards, they go to Mayor Ford's home. And so now it's, it's very late at night. He's high on drugs, uh, drunk, not sure which or what combination. And they go into his basement. At this point, the tape that Kevin was reporting from had ended. And from here on, he's relying on interviews from people who were there in the Ford home that night. Well, first of all, he walks in the door with Bruno Bellissimo. And Bruno uh, has a bunch of uh, fast food that he's bought because they're all really hungry. And for no apparent reason, Rob suddenly hits Bruno in the face, like hard, twice, boom, boom. And the French fries and and hamburgers go flying. They gathered up the food and went downstairs, where Ford said, my kids aren't home, so don't worry. Then they started drinking. And um, uh, Mayor Ford, according to my sources, Mayor Ford's wife, Renata, is there, and 
he says to an individual, um, yeah, and I'm not going to use the actual language, but you can have sex with my wife, basically. And then uh, there's another discussion where where Mayor Ford says apparently that you know my wife lets me have sex with girls with, with women in front of her all the time. So it's just just the, the worst behavior is described. Some of it on tape, uh, which I heard, and some just from from sources who were there. It was just over a month after that story, on April 17th of 2014, that Rob announced he was going to run for mayor again in the upcoming election. Two weeks after Rob made his announcement, the National Post published a story about another tape. The Post reported that someone in an Etobicoke bar right across the street from Rob's mother's house had recorded the mayor's drunken banter. The tape included things like Rob complaining about the candidates for an upcoming provincial election and also saying that if he loses his re-election bid, he will be out of here. He'll go to California because... Quote, the city's going to get fucked so bad, they're going to say, thank you. Then, another male voice comes on the tape and asks Rob about another candidate in the race, his colleague Karen Stentz. And Rob responds, I'd like to fucking jam her, but she don't want it. I can't talk like this anymore. At that point, a female voice can be heard and Rob says, I'm so sorry. I forgot there was a woman in the house. We asked Karen Stentz how she felt when she heard about Rob's remarks. I want to ask you about the the tape now that the National Post got. Um, did they call you right after they got it? They did. What did they tell you? Say you play it for you? No, actually. And I part of what I... Sh- no, so they didn't. They just told me what he had said. And um, if they played the tape to the conclusion, actually, because at the end he said, but I don't think she'd want to. Because the tape was, I'd like to, you know, I want to jam... Karen Stance or Counselor Stance, I can't remember exactly what it all was. And it was clear that he was being taped and he didn't know he was being taped. And I don't know why anyone would tape that. But if you got, got to the actual end of the tape, he said, but I don't think she'd want to. So he was at least <laughs> that self-aware. And if I listened to the whole tape, I probably would have focused on that as opposed to the beginning of the conversation. And, um, and it was so ridiculous. It was just so, the whole thing was just so ridiculous. and. Um, and in hindsight, I should have handled it differently, but um, and just dismissed it as ridiculous. And I should have actually stood up for the fact that he was taped without knowing, because I, I don't think that was a good practice, and I don't think it should have been a story. But instead, I I, I bought into the story that he'd said something lewd, and and I and I say that because in all the time that I did work with him, there was never a situation where I felt uncomfortable in his presence because of anything that he may have thought or felt about me. That was one of two stories that broke on April 30th, 2014, about Rob Ford. The second story ran in the Globe and Mail. It was about another video. This time, the Globe had screenshots to back up their reporting. It was very clear from the pictures and later from the video what was going on. 
One of the screenshots is of a cell phone in the room displaying the date, which was only four days earlier. The video was reportedly shot by a self-professed drug dealer in Rob's sister Kathy's basement. Rob is wearing a white shirt and a dark tie, and he's holding a long copper pipe. He can be seen exhaling a cloud of white smoke, shaking his right hand and shuffling back and forth. And then the camera pans around the room, and a man that looks very much like Sandro Lisi can be seen sitting in the background. In the hours after that story broke, Rob's lawyer announced the mayor was taking a leave of absence from City Hall and from his campaign. And the very next day, Rob left for rehab. And his brother Doug gave an emotional press conference. Rob was very emotional when he told me the hardest thing about this is he knows he let people down. I told Rob that everyone knows someone who has faced these challenges. And I know they will wish him well and a speedy recovery. And I also believe this with even people that may not have the same political stripes as, as Rob does. I love my brother. I'll, I'll continue to stand by my brother and his family throughout this difficult journey. Please join me and keep Rob and his family in your prayers. In the interest of Rob's family, I ask the media, please respect his privacy. Thank you. Next time on The Gravy Train, a sick man tries to get better. For a long, long time, I resisted the idea of getting help. He had, he had an issue with, uh, you know, uh, alcohol. You don't heal from an addiction by taking an extended week away. When people realized crack cocaine, then it felt like it was open season in a new way. When he saw that, he went into his office and put his head down on his desk and sobbed. I could have done more. I should have done more. I didn't do more because I, I couldn't stomach it anymore. My family is a very close family, a very tight-knit family. Something really fucked up happened to that neighborhood in the 80s. And it's kind of an underappreciated part of the Ford story. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, the host and writer of The Gravy Train. Stephanie Phillips and Annalisa Nielsen produce, edit, and stitch every episode together. Ryan Clark is also a producer, and he mixes and masters this entire podcast. Claire Broussard and Amal Delich provide editorial guidance. Daniela Giantomasso and Rob Purchase handle archival sourcing. Audio credits for this episode include Jimmy Kimmel Live, 
This hour has 22 minutes, Saturday Night Live, Euro News, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, as well as The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and The Colbert Report. Our production assistants are Lucas Ionetta and Matthew Morrow. You can find The Gravy Train, the other podcast I host, The Big Story, and almost a dozen more at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts.